In fairness, though, it was a grafting final, wasn't it? It wasn't a classic. Did you expect us to, Tony? Do you expect us to come here just to please you, the media? Because we don't come here to please you. We come here to win, and we've grafted, and we've won. We've worked since since we went to, home to West Bromwich Albion at Mansfield, at Newcastle, against Watford, at Luton. We work, Tony, and that's the name of the game. And this is uh, sheer perspiration, just like you're sweating, Tony. Because <laughs> it's hard work. <laughs> it it's is. hard work. It's hard work for everybody. Enjoy it, and we're going to enjoy every moment. And to all the viewers back home, thanks for watching us. And to the media, we did it. Cleared by Watson. He's picked it up for Everton. And we're going to be in for a ding-dong cup tie if it's like this. So Sayer in the middle. Stevens to beat. And Stevens brings him down. Penalty. A penalty to Wimbledon. Saved and it's gone in, yes! Oh, and there it is! The crazy gang have beaten the culture club. Wimbledon have destroyed Liverpool's dreams of the double, and all over the pitch, their players are celebrating something which a few years ago would have been impossible. Well, hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Teams of Our Lives with myself, Marcus Speller, and him, Andy Brassel. Yes. Yes. Ladies and gentlemen, today we have got the craziest of all the gangs. It's the 1988 (laughs) FA Cup winning Wimbledon team. How did you get this past production, Andy Brassel? Funnily enough, I didn't have to do anything. <laughs> to, be, to be fair, it was my suggestion, ladies and gentlemen. It was your suggestion. Every and now and then. What a lovely suggestion. Every now and then I like to make sure that Andy has a big old smile across his face, which, uh, to be fair, actually, Andy is a very smiling, happy man. Um, mm. But 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 today will definitely be one of those occasions. Because, Andy, this is a team that you loved and supported uh, and, of course, um, became no more um, years later, which mm. is mad to think. But but really, though, I suppose the spirit of the fans, AFC Wimbledon are a continuation of this Wimbledon side, you would it, sort of it, suggest. It does. And as uh, part of the, I guess you'd call it Wimbledon slash MK civility settlement, <laughs> uh, the, the honours are now from Wimbledon FC are Wim- AFC Wimbledon's. Yeah. So so you can say AFC Wimbledon are 1988 FA Cup winners if you want. I, well, and I will. You'd be technically correct. I, I Absolutely. And uh, we all want to be technically correct in our lives. So yeah, Andy, I mean, this Wimbledon side, they were fantastic. There's no, there's no getting away from what they achieved and what they did. And they, the, the famous, um, what, what, what would it be? The sort of the, the well-known uh, background of this side was, you know, they were in the lower leagues of, of of English football for a little while. They weren't a big side. And it showed, didn't it, that when a side goes quickly through the gears and through the leagues, even with Fulham as well, you could say, uh, it did different, sort of, you know, Fulham never went and won the FA Cup and whatnot. But when a side moves quite quickly through the leagues, this can be seen because they don't have the huge supportership that other sides do in the top league, if you see what I mean, because they haven't got had time for other fans and generations and maybe even glory hunters, you could dare I suggest, to come along and start getting involved in them. No, well, the day after Wimbledon won the Cup, there were 25,000 people in Wimbledon Town Centre to um, mm. greet them and... Yeah, I, I didn't see a lot of them at Plough Lane, put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, but by that point, though, Wimbledon had a people that there was a big, you know, 
uh, feeling and, and, and a bigger supportership because they were a top 10 uh, old Division 1, uh, we should say. I nearly said top 10 Premier League side, but uh, it yeah. was the old Division 1 um, back then. Yeah, but, but, not, but, sorry. but it's, it's, sorry, Mark. So I was, I was going to say, it's, I think when you look at that celebration directly after the FA Cup final, mm. it's something... We'll, we'll come up to how it happened, but... Mm. It was a story that I think caught the imagination of all British society, really, mm. beyond sport, because it seemed like the most unlikely cup win. I still think that Liverpool side are, if not the best club side that, that I've ever seen, they mm. were really, really close. I, I know how teams from your childhood stick with you, but just in a pre for people who are, have always grown up with the Premier League, before that, directly before that, this Liverpool side were amazing. Mm. They were absolutely incredible. They were untouchable. Lost one game all season. And like, probably league. about a month before the cup final, they beat Nottingham Forest, who were the, mm. one of the best teams in the country, 5-0 at Anfield. And I've rarely seen a good team dismantled like that. And they couldn't have done anything about it. Mm -hmm. Like the, Liverpool was so good. John Barnes had an incredible season because it was John Barnes first season at the club. It was um, Peter Beardsley's first season at the club who cost an, at the time extortionate 1.9 million pounds. And I mm. remember thinking, Oh my God, John Barnes was only 900 K yeah, just yeah. in case you wondered, but it still felt like a lot of money. It was. Um, and then you look at John Aldridge settling in, um, Ray Houghton, and of course the ones like Grobelar and Hansen who'd, who'd been there for, for ages. They were absolutely peerless. And despite the fact that Wimbledon in both the league games had actually run them pretty close. They only lost 2-1 at Anfield. Mm -hmm. And in a November night match um, in November 87, um, Wimbledon had drawn 1-1 and actually given them a pretty good game so Wimbledon had given them two of the closer games of mm -hmm. their season but still people were talking about how Liverpool were going to open up in the cup final and beat them like four or five nil or, or whatever yeah I mean one can look at this and think well actually Wimbledon did finish seventh that year mm. which suggests and would have finished higher but they kind of tailed off at the end of the season when mm -hmm. the cup final was like big in the mind at that point yeah so they weren't rubbish, quite clearly. They were a decent side. And and again, one can think that this Wimbledon team were kind of scrapping relegation. No, 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 no. They, they were a good team. But don't be don't be sort of too um, sidetracked by that because, as you say, Andy, this Liverpool side were magnificent. I mean, they won the league and they finished a mere 33 points ahead of Wimbledon. Mm. And that was in the days... Would that have been the days two points for a win, Andy? No, still three points. God, I'm oh, it was. Loud. It was. <laughs> I couldn't remember. As I was saying that, I thought 33 points ahead of Wimbledon with two points for a win. That would have been even more impressive. But okay, no, right you are. <laughs> Although, Andy, when, when it does date it somewhat, when Chelsea, um, they got relegated that season. Yeah, they did uh, through the playoffs. When the playoff was... Yeah, it's a relegation um, playoff. Yeah, when it was uh, just like the German playoff yeah. is now with uh, third bottom versus third top over two mm. legs. But that's how long ago it was. Chelsea, Dennis Wise wasn't playing for Chelsea, and Chelsea got relegated that year. So that's that's sort of how long ago it was. But yeah, but, but Liverpool was, uh, uh, you know, they were they were a magnificent side. I mean, 
Yes, yeah, we know all about them. But but Wimbledon themselves, you know, if you're going to... This story, we have to go back a few years previously to that win. And in, you know, 1981, Wimbledon were promoted to the third tier of English football. Um, and that's, what, seven years before this cup final. Well, seven years before this cup final, Liverpool were still absolutely brilliant. Mm. Um, we fast forward a few years, they were promoted in third place in the old second division to the top tier in 1986. Obviously, we're talking about Wimbledon now. And Your last team to be automatically promoted in third before the playoff system started. That's right. That's right. Yeah, they, they automatically went up three points ahead of Portsmouth, they were, uh, that season. And Liverpool won the FA Cup that season as well. So again, in, in 1986, Wimbledon win the FA Cup and, uh, and Wimbledon... Sorry, Liverpool win the FA Cup and Wimbledon are promoted. Nobody could have predicted that two years later they, they would meet the final and Wimbledon would win. But but this Wimbledon side, though, we must give them their due because their first season in the top flight was very impressive. They finished sixth and most people thought they were going to go straight back down. And I know in those days and even in, let's say, the early 90s with, with one or two sides, it, 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 perhaps the last team to do something like that off the top of my head was maybe Ipswich Town. You could have these what we would consider now a bit of a freak where a side is promoted and then they, they finish very, very comfortably in the top 10. And I know Beals has done a good job with Leeds this season, but it is a very, very rare thing nowadays. But it does show you that Wimbledon back then, everyone thought these are going straight back down. They're very uncultured side, bloody, bloody, blah, blah, And they finish sixth. Yeah, and I think you look at, as you say, they'd come up the league so quickly. I mean... 1977 was when they became a league club for the first time. They were <laughs> they were voted into the league mm-hmm. um, after winning the Southern League on several successive occasions um, in place of Workington Town in 77. And, um, you know, because they came up the league so quickly, you talked about the support. It was reflected in the facilities. I mean, eventually that mm. made Wimbledon vulnerable. Yeah. in terms of the stadium situation, certainly post-Taylor report, when if you'd have all seated Plough Lane, it would have ended up about 7,500. Mm-hmm. But the old Plough Lane, I can say the old Plough Lane now, <laughs> held um, 18,000. And it was it looked like a non-league ground. Mm-hmm. And um, I think a lot of teams arrived there and thought, this is meant to be a first division, a division one match. What the bloody hell is this? There was certainly a sense of that in the in the first season that Wimbledon played this kind of rough and tumble football, and in a stadium where a lot of school kids would be disappointed to be sent to a cup final. I mean, for for us, it was it was home and it was special, but it, it definitely wasn't a, a top flight stadium. I mean, I've said before how um, it was also free and easy. When I used to go to away games with my friends when I was like 13, 14, they, just before the departure from Plough Lane, actually, they never used to lock the main gate behind um, the mm-hmm. home terrace, the West Bank. So basically, if you were waiting for your mum and dad to like pick you up, you just, one of your friends would have a ball. You'd just lift the ball, <laughs> walk down the back of the terrace. <laughs> Go and play on the pitch, and they Amazing. still have the they still have the goalposts and nets up. That is so quality. I can honestly say I have scored a number of goals 
in front of the West Bank at the Old Plough Lane because That's I did some of them in formal brilliant. shoes, but yeah. you know, um, it was it was it was it was a great time, and that was kind of for us. That was kind of Wimbledon's charm for what oh, a lot yeah. of oh, what yeah. a lot of people um, found, uh, you know, uncouth was what made Wimbledon special. The fact that the players would come in the bar afterwards and mm. say hello to you and um, be friendly, which means a lot when, you, when, mm. when you're a kid. There, there were no airs and graces. It wasn't a sense of us and them. Whereas now, like people see footballers as, well, some people see footballers as this, mm. these mega stars, these super species, yeah. which are not. They're just normal people, um, albeit much more highly paid normal people nowadays but you know there was never that feeling uh at Wimbledon and it was it was really special but um that first season the main architect of it mm. was Harry Bassett the coach yep. and Harry Bassett yeah do you mean Dave and, Bassett yeah he's, he was nicknamed Harry <laughs> yeah I thought you were getting. You know, I thought you were just thinking what could make him sound more uh, <laughs> you know, rough and ready or something. Yeah, sorry. No, no one ever called him Dave or David. No, as you said that, I thought you got it wrong, and I thought, oh no, yeah, I am aware. Yeah, of course, Harry. I'm not going to correct sorry. him. I'll correct him. I yeah. thought you just you just shoved like you've 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 concocted a load of like real sort of London <laughs> old school English managers together, and you've and you've put it through the grinder, and understandably come out with Harry Bassett. No, no, yeah, Wim- Wimbledon manager Frankie Fraser. Exactly. Yeah. the 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 thing with the thing with Harry is that he he did everything for the club, Mm. and it was hard to imagine. Like when Wimbledon played Leeds, um, who were then first division champions in in the seventies, and Dickie Guy saved a penalty to bring Leeds back to London for a replay, which was at Selhurst Park because. Plough Lane was too small, a sort of, I guess, harbinger for what happened later. Um, Harry Bassett was playing in central defence in that. Mm. And then later, he went on to become the club's manager, took them up through the leagues. Mm. And he did everything for the club. Like, you know, it was such low budget. He used to drive a minibus to away games with the players in the back. It's just so So good, these stories. It was, it was, it was amazing. So it's a total bygone era with, with regards to top flight side doing this sort of thing. There's a very famous story about when Wimbledon were playing away at Halifax. And um, so, Harry Bassett's driving the the minibus up 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 the M1, and the players are being what they're normally like and fighting in the back and <laughs> mucking about and all the rest of it. And he pulls over on the hard shoulder and says to the players, "This is typical. This is typical Wimbledon. Look at you. This isn't a school trip. We're going up there to play a professional football match, and none of you guys are going to make it. You're just." You're just unprofessional. You've let everyone down. And there's this hush falls over the bus. And so he drives off again in silence and he's chuntering, swearing under his breath. And about four miles up the road, they run out of petrol because he's forgot to fill it up. (laughs) And so he has to send, obviously, the youngest player back with a jerry can and a £10 Mm. note 
to run along the hard shoulder to that go back is. to the, the last service station, mm. get some petrol and, 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 and fill the bus up. But th- this, <laughs> this was Bassett. He was, he was at yeah. the heart of it all. And then... Andy, I can mean, I just he, jump he in? Left... And... Oh, go on, go sorry. On. Go on. Well, I was going to say, Andy... Uh, Andy, um, sorry. Uh, I'm getting confused with my names. I, Dave Bassett, if you don't mind. <laughs> I nearly called him Andy Bassett. That's fine. Dave Bassett, for me, when people say, and it's usually after some sort of scandal or you know, comment that they've made and people usually say, oh, he's a good footballing man. And you get in there. Dave Bassett is the epitome of the good footballing man, but not without, not with the scandal or the crappy comments or anything. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. He's also the greatest after dinner speaker known to man. I, I he's magnificent. I can totally believe so, that. So many stories. But he is but a proper why... footballing man, inside out. That man absolutely lives it. Absolutely. But you know when you're a kid and your favourite player leaves Mm. and it's absolutely heartbreaking. Mm. Well, when we get to the summer of 1987, Mm. Dave Harry Bassett finally (laughs) leaves Wimbledon. Now, he'd left once before in 1984. He went to Crystal Palace. And then after three days, he thought, I've made a dreadful mistake. (laughs) Uh, And he he said, I've I've, I've got to go back. And he, he he went back. They paid him the same money as before, yeah. I think. Sam yeah, the yeah, man yeah. was quite tight. A- a- anyway, in, in 87, him and her man, had, their working relationship had ground to a halt. Mm. It couldn't go on anymore. Um, Bassett left for Watford, didn't go brilliantly there. He later got on better at Sheffield United. But that, to me, felt like a huge moment. I honestly wondered, even when I was like 10, 11, can we actually stay up without mm. Harry Bassett? Mm. And I, I felt... As, as well as the fact that Glenn Hodges, one of the most talented players ever to wear a Wimbledon shirt, also left for, for Watford that summer. He didn't do particularly well there either. But it, it felt as if it was a big moment. And, you know, how would Bobby Gould, who had a good history in the game, yeah. how would he, not so much how would the players adapt to him, how would he adapt to the players? Yeah. Because there were so many strong characters in that dressing oh room. Goodness, you know, yeah. Fashionu, yeah. Vinnie Jones, <laughs> uh, Dave Besson, mm-hmm. um, all, all the rest Dennis of Dennis Wise, Laurie Sanchez, Dennis, Dennis, Terry Dennis Phelan, Wise. you can forget. Laurie Cunningham as well. Yeah, well, uh, yeah. I, I mean, yeah, and Laurie Cunningham played... Uh, a really interesting cameo in this in in this in this FA Cup final. In, sure, in, I mean, yeah, in, okay. In the, in the end, apparently, shouldn't but, perhaps put him in with the stalwarts. You no, know, but he was he was someone who was a who was a huge huge achiever in 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 football, and sadly, in the in the end of of his career, before he even more sadly passed yeah. on, he he did actually play a really useful role in the in in the, in the cup final. So for for Bobby Gould to be accepted and to continue this winning culture at Wimbledon because this is a team that had been used to as you said coming up through divisions winning for years really despite the fact they were underrated by some and reviled by others Uh, it it was a really really impressive achievement by Bobby Gould when it got to the cup final Mm. though what proved his masterstroke is the fact that he'd got Don Howen but before we get to that I think we have to talk a bit about the FA Cup run because uh-huh. I mean there were some some great moments in that um like nearly mucked it up at Mansfield in the fourth round 
Um, <laughs> so funny the, hearing that. In, in the in the fifth round, went away to Newcastle United, mm. who were feeling, yes, we're going to get our first trophy in ages. Gaza was playing brilliantly for them that season. It was a season before he left for Tottenham. Mm. And um, this was so probably about a month and a half after the famous game in which it was a normal well, draw at Plough Lane where Vinnie Jones had grabbed him by the balls. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, Gaza maybe understandably was a little bit more quiet in this game at St. James's <laughs> Park. Wimbledon played brilliantly that day and won 3-1. And there was an amazing scene at the end where um, Mirandinha, remember Mirandinha? Yeah, Brazilian. First, first Brazilian in the, the English top flight. He, um, They were all shaking hands at the end and he spat at Dave Besant. And uh, Terry Gibson saw it. <laughs> The smallest player on the team. It's fair to went, say they went none absolutely of, yeah, mad. They and, won't be uh, having that. <laughs> uh, yeah, Terry Gibson chased him around the pitch at St James's Park, and he was followed. It was followed by the amusing sight of Dave Besant, a man nearly twice his size, mm. chasing him. So all it was missing really was the Benny Hill theme music. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, then in in the, in the quarterfinal, yeah. um, I played Watford, who were really struggling. At, at the time, Bassett had gone by by that point and they'd had a really, really bad season. Uh, they were winning 1-0 at half-time, Watford, and Brian Gale, the Wimbledon centre-back, got sent off for um, punching Malcolm Allen in the throat. Um, so what they needed to do is bring on a centre-back to replace him at half-time. They brought on Eric Young. He scored, actually, with a header from a Dennis Wise free kick about three minutes into the, the, the second half. And then Fashion, who went on and, and scored the winner. And that, for me, in many ways, felt like the, the cup final mm-hmm. because it was the last game that Wimbledon played at Plough Lane in that cup run. And still, when I think of my favourite ever matches, it was it was such a classic cup match in that Wimbledon played probably one of their weaker games of the season. Mm-hmm. But they just dug in and won it somehow in a very FA Cup-style way. And it was shambolic and atmospheric and mm-hmm. yeah that that game always really really lives with me and then of course they they went to um white hart lane for the semi-final against luton where again they came back from a goal down it was a decent, again decent luton they side, arrived, we should say people might was, think what luton town but they won the league cup around that time as well in the that 80s. year yeah and, that year uh, actually uh, they beat arsenal in the final yeah yeah, yeah. uh with big uh was it andy dibble in goal uh, yes, would it have been, and and so sometimes when you hear the names of the the oppositions, you have to put it in the context of the day, and and that's not a foregone conclusion. But when did you start thinking, Andy, that Wimbledon could win it, or did you think, well, Liverpool or Nottingham Forest? Honestly, about five minutes from the end of the final, I was about to say it must have been very <laughs> late on in the final. Um, no, well, the other thing we have to say is Wimbledon did take a proper team bus to. Uh, the semi uh, to, to the final, Boo. having a- arrived at the semi in a minibus driven by Bobby Gould, yes, as that. tradition would dictate. Yeah, and um, the security at the gate at White Hart Lane said, who are you? And they said, uh, we're Wimbledon. We're playing in the semi-final. <laughs> and they were told, ha, ha, ha. no, you're not, mate. Yeah. Very funny. There's parking restrictions. <laughs> Can you kindly F off? And uh, that... that, that they they had to get someone to uh, an, an official to, to to let them in. It's superb. It's um, absolutely superb. 
Dennis Wise scored the scored the winner in the in in the semi final, and again he proved to be crucial in the final. But mm. in the build up, and it was that sort of day. This is like before Sky Sports, remember? Mm. So this was before we had like a, a channel really dedicated to football. Mm-hmm. The FA Cup at this point was the FA Cup final was the biggest day yeah. of football on television yeah. in the year and you'd have a, a massive build-up mm. and i remember watching all of it from home because i wasn't allowed to go to the final i was 11 at the time yeah. and I, I was just i was i was told oh you're too little to go to wembley it's too big what i realized <laughs> later on that meant is we simply don't have the money for you to go yeah, yeah, yeah. um so i watched it on television with my mum and dad which was a, a brilliant experience as well in the end mm-hmm. but i remember like sitting there and watching the the whole build up unfold and um even though wimbledon were in their um top man suits and on a proper team bus and mm-hmm. all the rest of it the, uh, gerald sinstat i think it was was interviewing them on the coach and uh he just um went over to the table with um Dennis Wise and uh, Vinnie Jones, and um, they were they, they were playing cards for money. On the, oh yeah, they're all. They, they, this is what I mean with this the scene. That they were just like the whole kind of vibe was. Oh, we just yeah, we're here. Whoever it is, Liverpool in the cup final. Yeah, fine. They were so kind of relaxed in 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 a good sense. They just didn't seem to give a damn, and it, it, that was the kind of spirit of the crazy gang. And the, and the night before the cup final, Bobby Gold said that he was walking around the hotel, he was getting a bit nervous, and he noticed that some of the nerves had maybe kind of set in yes. because it was a different environment they were in. It was suddenly like, oh, this is official. This is, mm. oh, crap, now we're kind of... So he gave him a load of money and said, for crying out loud, you lot might as well kind of take the nerves off, go and get have a couple of pints in the pub down the road. And it's fashion yeah. who said, didn't he, in a documentary years later, people in there were like, it's just the Wimbledon team having a drink the night before the cup final on a Friday night, you know, whatever it was. But that was it, though. That This was the, the team. You To get the best out of them, you needed the rough and ready. That's absolutely right. And um, the story of that night is very different com- depending on who you speak to. I'm, sh- I'm sure, I'm sure. But because because um, I-, I remember, like... Um, People ask people asking Alan Cork and him saying, "Yeah, well, you know, just had a pint. I was in bed by ten, mm-hmm. and um, you know, I think Terry Gibson said, look, I was, I, I was, I was in bed by eleven, and you know, it was, it was fine.' And then they eventually <laughs> get to asking Andy Thorne. He said, "No, I got back about four. Nah, yeah, I, 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 <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think we're interested too much in the, the actual truth. But they, de- <laughs> but they definitely went to the pub that night, and that was the they did." They the did. sort of takeaway. And, um, you know, for, from the morning, I think you're right. It was a masterstroke by Bobby Gould. It really did the trick because um, Terry Gibson um, called him um, in, in, in the morning and uh, said, yeah, um, Gaffer, I'm a, a little bit concerned. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I need you to come down and see me. And um, apparently he was... Uh, in his room, totally naked, apart from his new boots. <laughs> and at that point, I think we knew Wimbledon were ready. They were ready. And then, of course, uh, the famous shout that Vinnie Jones was shouting before in the tunnel into the game and so on. And again, they just they came across as a load of lads who were like, yeah, this is all right, isn't it? Yeah, this will do. And that was so off-putting for the Liverpool players. They couldn't believe it. 
Yeah, and I think when you look at the opening, when you rewatch the game, if you look mm. at the opening sort of salvo, it's <laughs> when Vinnie Jones puts in this yeah. incredibly late tackle on Steve McMahon. Oh, McMahon, who had an amazing season. Yeah. It's a tackle. He got a stern word from Brian Hill. Yeah. I, I mean, it's like definitely look, an amber card in, in, uh, in this day and age. I mean, it's, yeah, we, we, we should say as well that like, obviously McMahon was fine. And it's all a part of the story and we can have a bit of a laugh. But if you see a tackle like that nowadays, as you say, it could be a straight red and it's absolutely disgusting. And we're pleased the game has moved on so we mm. don't have that kind of thing. But, you know, with hindsight, as I say, it ended up nobody got hurt. So you just look at it and you go, bloody Laura. I mean, Vinnie Jones in this Wimbledon side, he was a bit of a hatchet man, as we know, but he was actually a decent player. I mean, would you mm. say that for this Wimbledon side, this was... You know, alongside gone in sixty seconds, some of Vinnie Jones's finest work. <laughs> well, the thing was, it, Marcus is it, he was still quite a junior member of this Wimbledon. Side. He spoke a lot more in that Wimbledon side than he did in gone in sixty seconds, of course. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> I, I mean, at this point, he was. This was his first full season mm. um, with Wimbledon. He'd yeah. um, been Got stuck in, brought in from Wealdstone in like the autumn of the previous season, in the first mm. season in the top flight. In his first starts, um, his first home start, scored the winner against Manchester United. So it all happened pretty quickly for him. And again, this was this was another big moment. And I think because we talk about the personalities and the characters, I think it's quite easy to overlook the commitment and the determination mm. to stay with this Liverpool side. And they had this tactical plan to, to smother them. They had Alan Cork and Dennis Wise swap wings so that baby, basically Cork and Clive Goodyear, who we'll talk about again in a second, um, doubled up on John Barnes because John Barnes had a brilliant season. He mm. didn't have a brilliant cup final because yeah. Wimbledon doubled up on him and it, it, it made a big difference. But, you know, you look at some of these players and what they've been through, you know, um, you think of where they'd, they'd fallen through the cracks, like John Fashionu never made it at Norwich. Um, Wise was chucked out by Southampton. Terry Gibson had been at Manchester United before. I mean, he was the record signing of the team at the time. Um, Phelan had fallen uh, fallen through Manchester City um, and and Leeds. Um, John Scales hadn't made it at Leeds either. Mm. So these guys are really determined to grasp their moment. Tactically, they were spot on. They had their luck, definitely, because there was the Beardsley goal where he was pulled back by Andy Thorne. Mm. The referee blew up and Beardsley went on to score. He said he didn't hear the whistle. Um, Andy Thorne looked a bit heart in mouth, certainly. And it was it was pulled back for the free kick. And shortly after that was when Dennis Wise had the free kick. His set-piece delivery was all, always perfect. And Laurie Sanchez, who'd been the guy who scored the goal that got Wimbledon promoted to the top flight in the first time in 1986, mm. got the header for the... For, for the winner as well, for what turned out to be the winner. But going back to what you were saying before, what was mm. the point at which I thought Wimbledon were going to win the FA Cup? Scrub the five minutes from the end bit, actually. Besant it was saved. when Dave Besant saved yeah. the penalty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which was never a penalty in a million years, <laughs> by the way. Yeah, the first penalty saved in an FA Cup final. 
Yeah, well, um, I suppose Mark Crossley went and did it a couple of years afterwards. Yeah, didn't with he? Gary Lineker. Yeah, yeah. But it was. Yeah. I mean, but surely Liverpool when they when they get that penalty, they think right, finally here we go. And then when Besant saves, it's like hang about. It's, 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 it's a great day. save and. You know, Besant didn't make a lot of saves in that game. Mm. He made a very good one from John Barnes in the in the first half, where he's lying on his back and he kind of fingertips it away. It's an amazing save in mm-hmm. what ended up being Dave Besant's last game with the club as as, as well. Mm. But you know, when you think of iconic co- commentary, when the full time whistle goes and John Motson, go on, you can do it. No, 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 it's all yours. Right, okay. The crazy gang have beaten the culture club. I mean, that's that's a that's a very eighties line, but it's a very good line. It's very very good. It's very very good. But um, as well, I think we can't forget when I was talking about Don Howe before. Yeah, and we we're talking about how Wimbledon set up tactically. That bit of experience and know how was really important. It was such a hot day. It was you know the times when it was always burning hot on FA Cup final day, mm. and um, unlike this year, and the players came in. They're 1-0 up, they're full of adrenaline, and it's boiling hot. And Don Howe had something that he did in the 86 World Cup with England mm-hmm. where he dunked um, towels in ice water. Oh, yeah. And all the players sat around and they all had a towel that had been dunked on ice water in their mm-hmm. head. And it just said it really helped. Just as Besant later said when he was getting ready to face the penalty from Aldridge, all he could think about, because he knew what he was going to do in order to try and save it. Mm-hmm. He just thought, okay, just get some breath into your lungs and then we'll deal with it. And yeah. I think despite the fact that Wimbledon have this, you know, devil may care attitude or this Wimbledon side has this, you know, devil mm-hmm. may, image of having a devil may care attitude. The fact is they're actually very astute when it came to taking on this game. And, mm-hmm. you know, I don't think Liverpool created so few chances in any game, all of that incredible season. Yeah. Andy, what a win. It's in the history books forever. And it's in AFC Wimbledon's history books, <laughs> which is the important right. thing. Oh, lovely. Lovely one. Excellent. Enjoyed that immensely, talking about the old crazy gang. I hope you did too, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, it's been a pleasure uh, talking to you. Thanks very much, you beautiful Patreon people. Andy and I will see you next week for another Team of Our Lives. This was a Stakhanov production and part of the Acast Creative Network.